Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Dan Ugambi Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. I, of course, am talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC 247, an exciting main event between Dominic Reyes and the GOAT, John Jones. But, of course, as you guys know who frequent the show, we will not be talking about that or the other championship matchup on the card. In fact, we won't be talking about any of the main card at all. That's right, because the prelim primer is all about the prelim portion of the card. Now, some of you are probably asking yourself, especially if you're new, why only focus on the prelims? Why not talk about the fights that people are more interested in seeing? And the answer is really simple, is that we feel that the prelims are always neglected and there's lots of money to be won in both daily fantasy sports and if you're gambling on the prelim portion of the card. So we're here to help you out with exactly that. But of course, before we get to the bulk of our show and to my guest, I do want to remind you that this episode of the Prelim Primer is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E, Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. They've got 35 different martial arts that you can use to log all of your training sessions for. So let me quickly tell you about how you're going to set up your profile for Maroon Social. You're going to go onto their website or wherever it is you download apps. You're going to download the Maroon Social app. From there, you can set up your profile with where you train, what your belt level is, what your primary martial art is, and all kinds of other customizable features on your main page. After that, you can start logging sessions, and that's really one of the greatest features of Maroon Social is your ability to log sessions because there are so many things that go into it and so many great reminders that we'll get into a little bit later on during our break between the first and second round. But of course, in order to get to the first and second round, we have to get to our guest of today's show. I today am joined by another savvy co-host. Joining me today from Bloody Elbow is Shaquille Majori. Shaquille, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for uh, letting me be a part of this experience. I'll be honest, I'm a little terrified. And if you are going to use these to bet. Please don't, unless you win, in which case a uh, 5% bonus would be much appreciated. <laughs> so you're hearing that here first, folks. Make sure you kick that 5% his way. Now, as you guys know, we start by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Lauren Murphy versus Angela Lee. So Lauren Murphy picked up a big win in her last fight, which was her very first fight after leaving the MMA lab. She got a TKO over Mara Romero Barella back in August. Andrea, or Andrea Lee won her first three fights in the UFC, but most recently lost a split decision to JoJo Calderwood back in September. So here's my question for you, Shaquille. Murphy looked a lot like a killer in her brand new camp. Do you think mm-hmm. it's a huge change or... Do you think that that was a big difference in opponent? Uh, I'd say it's probably the latter. You know, uh, we've seen a lot of veteran fighters evolve and reestablish themselves as viable contenders over the last few years. But uh, Murphy's been at this for quite a while, and she does. She is the senior fighter going to the spot with Andrea Lee. And uh, I think it's going to be a big jump up in competition from her last fight to this next one. Yeah, and and Barella is not necessarily known for her striking, and Murphy's striking looked very good here. But but in the long run, Murphy has looked better as sort of a grinder, as the person who puts you up mm-hmm. against the cage, uses a little bit of grappling. Do you think she has the strength to do that here against Andrea Lee? Dude, I'm not sure. That's a tough outing. And if you look at some of the people that she has lost to recently, uh, the names that pop out to me, Eubanks, Chukagian, uh, Karmush McMahon, all really powerful people. I don't quite know if 
Andrea Lee has the strength that they do, but um, I, I think very highly of Andrea Lee as a viable contender, especially in that split decision loss to Calderwood. And I, I don't quite know if Murphy's going to be able to keep up. Yeah, I, I'm not sure either. And and here's sort of my last thought about it too: is that Murphy is somebody, like I said, who's a little bit of a grinder. Lee did have a little bit of trouble with the grappling of Calderwood, right? Like, she wound up on bottom of two takedowns. She wound up getting swept once in there. Is there any chance that this turns into a grappling contest? And if so, do you like Murphy even in that instance? Uh, I mean, I think it's without a doubt her best shot at winning. I have confidence that Lee is progressing at a rate that she can fix a lot of those holes going into this fight but uh, if you had to ask what is murphy's path to victory i think it is that grinding style all right and it sounds like you're leaning one way over the other so why don't you give us the official prediction who do you like in this fight andrea lee is gonna get it done yeehaw all right i'm gonna take andrea lee as well i'm gonna take her by decision here because i just don't Mm -hmm. think you know in a women's uh flyweight fight there's not too many finishes in in uh Lauren Murphy is about as tough as a $2 steak, so uh, I don't expect her to get taken out Shout here. Shout out to Jim Ross. Yeah, absolutely. So that's going to take us to our second fight. We've got Miles Johns versus Mario Batista. John won his debut back in September with a split decision victory over Cole Smith. He also got to the UFC by beating Richie Santiago on the Contender Series. Batista lost his debut, but it was on short notice to Corey Sanhagen. He then got a full camp under his belt, came back with a win over Jin Su Son. So Batista seemed to have trouble with grappling in his debut with Corey Sanhagen, granted, which is, is a tough one. Tough is one. his defense sharp enough, though, to stop Johns, who is, uh, you know, albeit a step down from Corey Sandhagen? Yeah, I, I don't really think so. Um, I was actually at that event for MMA Mania, uh, Coltrane Baby, a big-time Vancouver prospect. So uh, Miles Johns really shut up the crowd. And, you know, it's funny. Like, putting aside skill sets and evaluation for a second – Man, Fortis MMA is tough to bet against right now. And uh, just hearing those names, I think, should hearing Fortis MMA should put a chill down anyone's spine. Yeah, I 100% agree, too. And it's almost a, a mentality thing with them. And actually, we're going to talk about two other Fortis guys later on in the show. Miles Johns, to me, though, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, he almost seems like, you know, next to maybe Jeff Neal, who's already, you know, a ranked welterweight he seems like maybe one of the more promising ones with this combination of like really strong ground and pound and like crazy forward pressure. Uh, I, I think you're right. And you are probably a better uh, technical analyzer than I am. But from being in a room with him and reading his behavior, man, there's just such a calm pre-fight and post-fight. He's just so calm and so happy to be here. And uh, he's not someone who I would expect to crumble under the big lights or, 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 you know, uh, struggle with nerves going into this fight. Like, he has a real championship mindset. He has his family with him. He brings them along for the ride. And I think the people who are enjoying this UFC journey are often the most dangerous ones. So it seems like we're going to go two for two agreeing with each other here. We're both going with Miles Johns. Do you have a method? Do you think he can possibly get Mario Batista out of it? Uh, I, man, Mario's a tough guy. I, I haven't been all too impressed with his uh, level of, you know, Corey Sanhagen, a big fight. I don't necessarily think that last win uh, was nearly the caliber of opponent that Miles Johns is. But Batista has gone to the distance before, and I think that's a really important thing to factor in. A lot of these uh, new guys that come in and you got a lot of hype around them who haven't gone a full three rounds. You just have no idea what it's like at this level. Yeah, I'd say Johns is more likely to finish than not, but I, I, Batista's going to be hard. 
All right, and I'm going to go with as John's by the finish. I, I just think he's he's so tough in, like you said, 4-7 to seven May. Tough to bet against right now. And that's going to do it for the end of our first round. We're going to be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. So we mentioned at the top of the show about how to set up your Maroon Social profile. Maroon Social, awesome app if you are tracking your progress in martial arts. Now, the cool thing about it is is when you log your sessions, you can leave yourself little notes and you can tag what different techniques that you train. So for instance, this past Monday, I was working all on my triangle attacks. So I just tagged triangle choke, triangle defense, and now Maroon Social automatically updates and tells me that I trained those things this month and how many times I trained them this month. So if I train them a little bit later on, I see that I trained them twice and I can go back and look at my notes from before, which is awesome because then I remind myself little bits and pieces that I wanted to know before. It's absolutely essential and it's super good at making sure that you're making the progress you wanna make and you're not backtracking and overlapping and forgetting things. So I highly suggest checking it out, Maroon Social. Now, back for round number two. And we are back with round number two. As you guys know, we're going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Trevin Giles versus Antonio Arroyo. So Giles, after winning his first two fights in the UFC, dropped two straight losses to uh, Zach Cummins and Gerald Mearshart, both by guillotine, both in the third round. He's going to be fighting Antonio Arroyo, who lost in his debut to Andre Muniz after getting the call to the UFC via the Contender Series, where he won by arm triangle, which is pretty impressive. Now, Giles has been subbed two fights in a row, mm -hmm. and most of it is due to his willingness to grapple the other person, right? Like, he repeatedly tried to grapple Mearshart in there. Do you yeah. think he tries to go back to the well? And if he does, do you think it's the wrong move? <laughs> well, actually, I talked to Giles, uh, and that'll be out on Bloody Elbow later this week. It's it's funny. Uh, first and foremost, I apologize to him because it seems that most of the fighters I interview end up losing their fights, <laughs> so that's on me. Um, but we, he was he spoke very candidly of it. You know, sometimes uh, I think fighters can be quick to chalk it up to just a simple mistake or this or that. But he really owned up to it. He said it's obvious that this is a hole that I have in my game and it needs to be addressed or I'm in trouble. So he's very conscious of the fact that he can't be putting himself in those predicaments and he takes full full responsibility for those losses. So I'd be I'd be very surprised if he gets caught in another position like that uh on his own terms. Clearly uh there's something about fighting in the moment in the UFC that is getting to him. All right, so if he doesn't go back to it, let, let's assume that his mindset is right. He doesn't go back to grappling. He doesn't put himself in a dumb decision or a dumb position like that again. If this fight takes place on the feet, Arroyo is a very talented striker here. Do you think Giles can strike with him on the feet? It's tough. Uh, you know, both fighters have done a good job in their pro careers of mixing in methods of victory, uh, you know, KO, submissions, decisions. Logically, I, I'd have to lean to Arroyo, but there's something about the fact that uh, uh, that Giles has that four to one UFC experience, four win, uh, four fights versus Arroyo's one, that just kind of I feel more comfortable going with the more experienced UFC fighter, the one who has had the ups and downs and will hopefully move beyond those uh, octagon jitters. So. I'd say Arroyo's the smart pick, but my gut's saying Giles. All right, and I'm going to go against you on this one. I'm going to take Antonio Arroyo. I like his stand-up in this. And, and like I said, I, I think he's got a good submission game. So if Giles does try to get out of the stand-up for a second, 
I do think there's a chance that we wind up with that same kind of submission. And that's going to bring us to the second fight, which is another Fortis MMA product. Alex Murano, who is fighting Kaylin Williams, who steps in on late notice for Diego Lima. Murano is on a very quiet three-fight win streak with wins over Kanan Song, Zach Otto, and Max Griffin, the middle one. Zach Otto is the only one of those three he finished. Williams is going to be making his UFC debut aforementionedly on the short notice. He's 9-1. He last won at WXC 84 over Jeremy Holloway, who's also another really good regional prospect. So, if there's a reason for anybody to take somebody coming in on, you know, a like two weeks notice here in Kalen Chaos Williams, is there any reason to think he's going to give Murano trouble here? Uh, I mean, listen, anything is possible. We've seen short notice fighters uh, absolutely blow expectations. Kama Worthy is one that comes to mind at UFC 241. But uh, for all intents and purposes, like Diego Lima is another fighter who's been looking immaculate lately, and I think that was a more suitable matchup for Alex Morano. Max Griffin is a very tough fighter, someone who, you know, it seems like on fight night there's inconsistencies, but when he shines, he shines really bright, and Morano had absolutely no trouble put Max Griffin through hell. And I think Alex Morano is most likely going to wipe the floor with Caleb. And, and you know what? I really like that you brought up the Max Griffin fight here, too, because I, I was watching some Kalen Williams film because I, I, I'm not that familiar with Kalen Williams coming into this fight. You know, they called him as a short notice replacement, and it was not a name that was like on the top of my head as the UFC might call him. I, I watched some film on him, and it sort of reminded me of Max Griffin in a lot of ways because he's got that similar, very strong, very fit build. He, he's not, he doesn't stand out in any particular way, but he's pretty good everywhere. And I just could see myself seeing Alex Morano taking him down repeatedly, getting in a mount, just absolutely bludging him up. Because I see Alex Morano both has some really big strengths, particularly in grappling and top game. And I know that he knows how to use those strengths really well. Whereas it seems like Kaywin Williams, you know, matches your scouting report there on Max Griffin, right? Like he has, you know, pretty well-rounded gameplay but at the same time he doesn't have anything that really sticks out so uh i'm with you on this one i think i've taken alex morano uh do you have a method do you think alex morano gets him out of there because he, he wasn't able to get max griffin out i think he will you know this is this is just such a bad matchup all the way around for kale and just in terms of statistics you know coming in short notice Although there are variables that might work in favor of Williams, generally not great. Morano's had a full camp here. Morano, more than twice the professional experience. And I think, especially for someone coming in short notice who's new to the UFC, that's going to play a major role in this. And that three-fight win streak, like you said, it's sneaky. People haven't been paying attention to it. But Morano seems like he's in the best form of his career right now, putting in strong performances. He's got a lot of experience on his side. And I think he's going to get this done within two rounds. Yeah, I sort of agree with you, too. And once again, you always got to pick with Fortis MMA as of late. So mm -hmm. that's going to do it for the second round. We're going to take a quick break, talk to our sponsors, and we'll be right back with the last three fights in the third round. During the last break, I talked to you a little bit about logging your training sessions, making notes, tagging the different techniques that you're drilling. But the other cool thing that you can tag is you can tag your friends in Maroon Social. And let me tell you why this is so awesome. First of all, it's a social media app. You want to be tagging your friends anyway. But the other cool thing is, is that if your friends maybe moved away, like, you know, my, my co-host of my other podcast, Top Turtle MMA, has done with me. 
I can still tag him in training sessions when I do something really cool or I want to show him that I'm working on something. Okay, it's also a really great way to remind your friend who might not be training as much as you want him to, to get back in the gym. So I highly suggest using that function and all the other cool functions like seminars and weigh-ins and uh, other things like competitions. You can log all of that stuff in Maroon Social and really have it all in one spot. So I highly suggest checking it out, Maroon Social. Now, let's head back for round number three. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Journey Newsom versus Domingo Pilarte. Both guys 0-1 in the UFC, losing their debuts. Newsom to Ricardo Hamos. Pilarte by split decision to Felipe Colares. So, uh, you know, real simple question here. Who did you see more positives from in their debut losses? Man, I think I think Newsom uh, personally, and this is this is really bad MMA math on my part, but I think there's more to gain in a loss to Ramos than there is in a loss to Felipe Clara. So just on that alone, I think Newsom has I have to give him more benefit of the doubt. Yeah, and I, I kind of agree with you there, too. Also, if you go back and look at the stats here, Journey Newsom almost had the same amount of strikes as Ricardo Hamos, and that's mm. after spending most of that fight on his back. Right, like Ricardo Hamos hit three takedowns in that fight. So the fact that he was able to go almost punch for punch for Hamos, and granted, not with the same amount of power, but the fact that he was able to go punch for punch with him makes me lean Newsom. I'm taking Newsom here. How about you? Agreed, and that's a phenomenal amount of tenacity. You know, to be in there and know that you're not quite winning, but never stop trying. That's that I think is a really important foundation for success in the UFC. Absolutely, and that's going to take us to our next fight, which is Andre Ewell versus Jonathan Martinez. So. Ewell is 1-2 in his last three fights. He lost to Nathaniel Wood by rear naked choke, beat Anderson Dos Santos, and then got ground and pounded by Marlon Vera. Martinez is on a two-fight win streak with wins over Ping Luang Lu and Wu Luigi Buren. Man, the Chinese names always kill me. So those are obviously both tough losses for Ewell there to Wood and, and Marlon mm-hmm. Vera. And not really a, a super impressive win over Anderson Dos Santos, who, who hasn't looked great. How do you sort of gauge where he's at with, you know, losses to really high-level competition and wins over really low-level competition? Yeah, you know, I think that's sort of the big question for both guys. Uh, you will, remind, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, had that split decision win over Henan Barrow, right? Yes, he did, indeed. So that that is an interesting one because any win even against a diminished Hennan Barrow is going to put you in there against tough competition like Nathaniel Wood the problem being i think this at that point that laid into Barrow's career i'm not sure a split decision win should do a lot for you because uh we've seen Hennan really struggle since having that fall from grace uh Yule's a guy who i think obviously deserves to be in the UFC but even in victory against Barrow, he didn't really show me that he is prepared to be a top flight contender in this division. Absolutely. And and you're right about that, right? Like when that fight happened, everybody was like, damn, Andre Ewell arrived. And then we watched Head and Barrow just look mm. absolutely terrible fight after fight after fight after fight. And, you know, if you go back to that fight, you know, not a lot of people scoring that fight for Head and Barrow, but he did hit three takedowns in that fight. Right. Like to me, Jonathan Martinez is a guy not he doesn't always rely on his wrestling, but he's got a little wrestling. He took down both of his last two opponents. He took down uh, Andre Sukumta. So, like, can he get Andre Ewell down here and do something similar to Vera? Uh, I, I tend to lean. Yes. How about you? Uh, 
It's entirely possible. Like, Ewell hasn't done enough to facilitate any confidence in me, but considering the victories that Martinez has had thus far, I'll just, like I said, I often go with the experience edge, and I'll give it to Ewell, but I'm really not certain. And I would probably venture to guess, if you are going to bet, this is one where you should bet on the underdog. Yeah, and I'm going to take Jonathan Martinez exactly for that reason. You know, like I know that Ewell seems like he showed more, but, you know, you said it yourself. A win over a diminished Hennenborough, especially a split decision, makes me think twice. And that leaves us with just barely enough time for our very last fight, which is two debuting fighters who got this fight announcement on very short notice. That's Austin Lingo versus Yusuf Zalal. So Lingo, 7-0, making his debut also out of the MMA lab. He recently came over a 25-second knockout over Solo Hatley Jr. back in LFA. Zalal is 7-2, making his debut. He recently won by K over Jamie Hernandez, also in LFA, by flying knee in about two minutes. Ooh. So obviously both of them coming off of incredibly fast, incredibly impressive KOs. But which one here do you like better as a UFC prospect? Lingo all the way, man. The MMA lab produces phenomenal fighters. And beyond that, this is one of the biggest, biggest things that I will say when it comes to debut fighters is can you go the distance? Because the quality of competition in the UFC is far stiffer, despite LFA being a great promotion. Both of Zalal's two losses, uh, sorry, yeah, Zalal's two losses have been via decision. He has no wins via decision. Lingo has all sorts of tricks in his book. He can win the fight by any means. And Unless there's some sort of spectacular flying knee takedown, I think uh, Zal is in for a long night. Yeah, and I love Lingo's forward pressure. He's an absolute savage. He's super strong. I'm. I was looking forward to his UFC debut for a long time. It's it's kind of disappointing that he didn't get a full camp or a full lead up to it. But um, I'm super impressed with him. I'm pumped for him to be in this fight, and I'm going with him as well. So that's going to do it for all seven fights. We did all seven in just under 15 minutes. So we want to thank you guys for tuning in, listening. Hopefully this helped you out with the prelim portion of the card. I also want to thank my co-host for day, today, Shaquille Majori, because I could not done it without you. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for the opportunity. This was uh, This was intense. I feel like I've gone the full 15 minutes in the octagon. <laughs>